When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The resurrection, that literally happened. Jesus bodily rose from the grave. That wasn't metaphorical. That wasn't abstract. And he goes, well, maybe it was metaphysical and metaphorical. Maybe it wasn't bodily and literal. And I said, no, see, this is, this is what I'm talking about. We're now coloring outside of the lines of historical Orthodox Christianity. If you spend any time in the Christian worlds of millennials or Gen Z, one word keeps popping up. And that word is deconstruction. Now, I've personally had a front row seat to the conversations happening in the next generations of Christians from leading nearly 30 trips of young leaders to Israel. What you hear being reported from ministry leaders is, in a word, alarming. In large swaths of the next generation of churchgoers, biblical doctrine is being eroded. So, what the heck is deconstruction? And how do we address this seeming mass exodus of young people away from biblical Christianity? What does the Bible itself say about this? The guy with his finger on the pulse of this trend is here with us today. He's a rapper, he's an entrepreneur, he's a proud Armenian. And for our purposes, perhaps the face of young Christianity on YouTube, my brother, Ruslan. Ruslan, my man, how we doing? Hey, man. Thank you for having me. That was one heck of an intro. <laughs> well, thanks for coming, man. I, I'm assuming a lot of people know who you are, uh, but for those of us who don't, uh, kind of give us a little bit of a background. But, you know, I was talking to my buddy yesterday, and I said, hey, I'm going to have Ruslan on my show. And he's like, the rapper. And I was like, oh, yeah, the rapper, because in my mind, you're the YouTube guy. <laughs> so so how did you get to this place where you're the, the face on YouTube of unpacking all the controversies of Christianity. I'm originally from Azerbaijan, Baku, which when we went on our Israel trip, it was the closest I had been to the city I was born, Baku. Uh, And we came out, because we were refugees, we came out in 1991. And so we haven't been able to go back because of all the tension with the pogroms of Baku. And I found myself in San Diego, uh, six months into moving out, my dad and my mom split up, um, which had a very detrimental effect on me as as a kid. And so I got into drugs, I got into trying to be in a gang, and the one redeeming aspect of all of that is I had music as an expression for hip-hop, and I also had neighbors that kept sharing the gospel with me Mm. and kept telling me about Jesus. And they kept planting those seeds when I was really far gone uh, because of the stuff I had went through as a kid, with my dad not being in the picture, and all the ups and downs of my mom being an alcoholic and being on welfare and all that kind of stuff. I just thought, man, if there, there is no God, and if there is a God, he doesn't care about me much. Mm. And so after hearing the gospel over and over and those seeds being planted, we finally relocated to North County, San Diego, which is where I live now, Vista, California. Yes, sir. And it kind of just set the environment for me to eventually come to faith in Jesus, surrender my life when I was in high school. And the thing that was always there was music. I kept making music. I was the, kind of the guy around my high school that would battle rap or any other rappers and that whole thing. And God just kind of redeemed it and used it 
uh, in different ways, whether it was performing at youth groups, throwing festivals, traveling the country. And that's what I did professionally from, I quit my job in 2015. I worked at my church for a little bit, quit my job in 2015 and did music full time as an independent Christian rapper, which was very difficult to do in 2015, (laughs) but we figured it out. And in 2020, when everything shut down with the pandemic and I couldn't go do shows, I, there wasn't much music stuff happening. That's when I pivoted over to YouTube. And I was already dabbling with interviewing people just like this, traveling backstage in a green room. Hey, you're interesting. You're my friend. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. And over time, that culminated. I had maybe 15,000 subscribers. But in 2020, the channel, like, three or four x Wow. And, uh, and then I was like, hey, like, I... This is pretty great, you know? I'm just gonna lean more into this. And so I've been fortunate enough to be successful on YouTube and also continue releasing music on Spotify, Apple Music, and it's been the best of both worlds. So how did it happen? It it happened, I believe, through God's providence. Mm. It happened because I was always willing to take risks and when everyone was home, I tried a different format of commentary and reaction stuff and it it worked it blew up and having interesting conversations and talking to progressive christians who have deconstructed and being gracious and compassionate while at the same time challenging some of the core ideas and it's been good yeah yeah well i just want to encourage you because i'll watch your content even though we're basically neighbors and i (laughs) (laughs) and uh i'm waiting for something to be said that 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 doesn't fit the biblical worldview and i'm like man this guy is on point and you're and you're, <laughs> and you're you're tackling the tough stuff man yeah you're not you're not you're not hiding yeah when we talk about deconstruction mm-hmm. i mean in our in our spheres that's a that's a big word what what do you think it means well i think it's reevaluating parts of christianity that may be false may be cultural or may be inconvenient Mm. There are aspects that when you look at where the world is today and the ideologies of the world and a lot of the stuff that's being pushed on young people and you juxtapose that with the scriptures, those aren't compatible always. And so some of them are just inconvenient. Some of them, some of the things people are deconstructing are false. They're not true. They were never a part of Christianity, historical Christianity. Um, and others are just cultural. There's cultural things that people are wrestling through. Mm. And so I think it's important to know what what are we addressing what are we talking about why are we deconstructing there's certain things that we should deconstruct and better reconstruct right to an accurate historical christianity and there are other things that we just go oh can't can't we're not going to debate this this yeah. is off the table to discuss right i, I was i was looking up statistics just because i want people to know that this isn't some sort of fringe thing so lifeway research asked how familiar pastors are with the concept of individuals deconstructing their faith in which they systematically dissect and often reject Christian beliefs that they grew up with. 25%, 25% of pastors say they are very familiar. Mm-hmm. 21% says familiar. 27% says somewhat familiar. So basically, most pastors are... Somewhat, at least somewhat familiar. Yeah, yeah. are dealing with this. And so, I mean, I guess for someone who's just watching this, who doesn't really know what deconstruction is, obviously leading all these trips to Israel, you start hearing things and you're like, Man, that that doesn't that doesn't sound right. And these are people that have come on these trips with me that are ministry leaders that are kind of leading big congregations. And it it sometimes there's there's obviously degrees of it, but sometimes it's like, you know, the Bible's take on biblical intimacy or the inerrancy of scripture or uh did what sin Jesus didn't really talk about it that much. It wasn't that big of a deal. And to me, what I see and I want I want you to take get your take on this is that at the end of the day, and this might be jumping to the end of the conclusion, is what I see is that people are taking away things 
that don't vibe with their politics, that don't vibe with their worldview outside of the faith. And so what they're doing, this might seem a little harsh, is kind of creating their own religion. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to separate yourself from the Bible and just kind of keep the things you want, you're creating God in your own image. Mm -hmm. You're creating the Bible in your own image. And so at the end of that road, what I see is a lot of people just walk away from the faith entirely. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you see as the good side of deconstruction and obviously the not so good? I think that here's a good example of something that Christians oftentimes don't understand how influenced we are by fundamentalism mm. and not historical Christianity, not evangelical Christianity, but, but, but fundamentalism, which has kind of crept in. Muslims look at the word of the Quran and they take it as the literal words of God. Okay, In the Christian tradition, Jesus is the word of God. The scriptures are inspired and they're inerrant and they've been preserved. But we don't look at the collection of writings we have in the Bible as the literal words of God. We look at them as a collection of writings through thousands of years across 40 authors and in, across multiple languages. And they all have this beautiful mosaic of ultimately the good news about Jesus, mm. right? But there are parts of the Bible, like the dialogue between Job's friends, that are not the words of God. This is goofy people <laughs> arguing amongst themselves, and they don't know what they're talking about half the time. That's not the words of God. Those are, there, is it inspired? Yes, it's inspired, but the book and the narrative is inspired, not every single book. Mm. And so when you're looking at that, and but what do fundamentalists believe? This is the literal word of God. Some to the go to the extreme of saying Jesus is the Bible and the Bible is Jesus, which is nonsense. So Jesus is the Logos, Jesus is the Word of God, the scriptures are inspired, but they're not the literal Word of God, mm. in the same way we see with Muslims and fundamentalist Christians. So that's a good one. We need to take that and reevaluate that and wrestle with that. What does that mean? What are we talking about when you say the words of God, right? And so you take a hyper-literal view of scripture where everything must be literal or you're out and you start getting into fundamentalism, which is not helpful. And at some point, people really wrestle through. If you go off to college and you start learning about science and you start learning about archeology span and you start learning about all these different things, how, how old the earth is, mm -hmm. and you're like, nope, it's the literal words of God, mm -hmm. you know? And so th these are good things to wrestle with. And most of us, we don't really think critically through, nor do we know church history. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's, that's one that I think is good to wrestle through. Let's have, what does is, what is inspired mean? What does inerrant mean, mm -hmm. right? What did the textual variance in the scriptures? What is uh, textual criticism? And how secular textual critics will uh, use some of these things against Christians, but then when they're in a debate and they're pressed, they'll acknowledge that there is, doesn't change any major theology, even right. if there are textual variants, right? So when we say inerrant, we don't mean there aren't typos or asterisk marks that are different or sexual, or the Byzantine text is different from the Alexandrian text. That's not what we're saying. We're saying the message has been preserved. It is reliable. It is trustworthy. And it testifies to history. There's poetry. There's literary devices. There's hyperbole. There's so much in there. And if you take it from a hyperliteral approach, it's it's not going to be helpful or, or beneficial to someone's personal walk. Why do you think our generation maybe uniquely has this tendency to over deconstruct? Yeah, I think one, because there's been a lot of backdoored theology that isn't historical and they notice that and they can sniff that out. And then so you take that and you go, okay, this is, ah, I don't 
think this is historical Christianity. And then two, the ideology of the world is so polar opposite. You said the world, you said worldview earlier. The worldview is so polar opposite. So when you get into social issues like LGBTQIA, when you get into um, sexual ethics with regards to uh, being celibate before being married, mm -hmm. all of those things are very inconvenient when you talk about the unborn. All of these things Come are on. not convenient to a solid historical biblical framework for how one is to live their life. And you and I are going to do a whole episode about the politically incorrect stances of the mm -hmm. Bible, and we're not going to get flagged by YouTube. That's my <laughs> promise. Uh, but I want to read a couple of things from Timothy. So first, Timothy says this, watch your life and doctrine closely, mm -hmm. persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's almost like Paul saying, like, the doctrine that you have saves people, which I think you and I would both agree on. And then if you flip over to 2 Timothy, you will hear this, which I think is probably the most applicable verse to this conversation that we're having, which is this. I, uh, man, leading 30 trips to Israel, this is what I see. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And that, to me, is the, is the whole shebang. I mean, I, I can't tell you, well, did you hear this guy talk? Did you hear this guy talk? Yes, you can have someone extremely convincingly tell you lies. And I think if you really want to find someone who's just, oh man, that argument sounds brilliant, you can find that guy. Absolutely. And that's why I appreciate your YouTube channel, man. So when you're having these discussions with, you want to call them progressive Christians or people that are deconstructing their faith, what do you say back? How do you refute this stuff? Well, I think we first have to have clarity on what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And there's a spectrum there. There's people that have completely gone off the rails. I'll give you an example. I was at this Spotify mixer a couple of years ago. And it was me, it was an artist of, of mine that was with me, and it was a bunch of folks in the worship community, folks that are writing CCM, the biggest, the biggest names there um, in that world. And they were there and because they wanted to get on some of these playlists and get better inside information from an uh, editorial playlister at Spotify. So we're all there, we're hanging out. And I'm talking to one of these guys, and he wrote some of the biggest songs from one of the big three or four like publishing houses. Mm. And we're talking, and we're talking, and we're talking. And I'm watching his kind of temperament, and and we're and I'm we're having this conversation. And I go, listen, I understand that there are certain things that we need to properly reassess about cultural Christianity or churchianity. Yep, yep. that's fair. But there are other things that we're just not going to talk about. The resurrection off the table. <laughs> right. The scriptures being preserved and inerrant, off the table. And he said, I said, the resurrection, that literally happened. Jesus bodily rose from the grave. That wasn't metaphorical. That wasn't abstract. And he goes, well, maybe it was metaphysical and metaphorical. Maybe it wasn't bodily and literal. And I said, no, see, this is, this is what I'm talking about. We're now coloring outside of the lines of historical Orthodox Christianity. Me and that gentleman ended up going to dinner and, 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 and I kept kind of hashing it out. And so these are some of the guys behind the scenes that are writing some of the worship songs that are sung in megachurches. Wow. And these are the things they're thinking, oh, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was abstract, maybe it was metaphor. And no, no, it wasn't. That is off the table, right? We don't discuss that. Hold on, time out. 
some of the people writing the worship songs that we listen to in church are not sure if Jesus of Nazareth rose from the grave. One person specifically that I talked to did not know if the resurrection of Jesus bodily happened, and he is at one of the major three or four wow. publishers that write wow. a lot of the CCLI That's scary. music. And, there, and, fi- and there's a huge financial incentive. If you know what CCLI is and the publishing side of worship songs, right? So these guys are they're making great money, right? And I'll tell you the church offline, but because yeah. <laughs> he's no longer with them. And that is something that is so pervasive, but we, we also have to nip it in the bud and say, no, let's take you back to some William Lane Craig. Let's yeah. take you back to some James White. Let's, let's take you go. back to some of these other great thinkers that have yep. laid down these foundations yep. that we don't have to question if the resurrection, no, that happened. Yeah. And so, so there's a spectrum there, right? Like yeah. that guy's all the way off the rails. And then there's other folks that are like, I affirm the resurrection, I affirm the creeds, but I think we got it wrong on the LGBTQ question. Mm. And I go, mm, I think we should look at Romans 1. Mm. I think it's fairly clear what Romans 1 says, no, it doesn't mean shameful the way it's shameful for a man to have long hair. That's, that, that's not what Paul's saying. It is unnatural for this act to occur. And so we, we have to then hash these things out. So I say that to say, to be fair to folks who have deconstructed, there's a spectrum there. Mm. There's folks that have deconstructed essential doctrine, and then there's folks that are struggling through how to deal with their gay friends, mm. and they don't know how to do that. And then there's friends that are struggling with some political and cultural ideology, yep. right? And so... But if we get to the root and get to the, to the heart of the matter, then we can say, do you really have an issue with God? Because if God says, I designed sex for this, you don't get to tell the creator that, nah, I think you got it wrong, God. I think this community over here that identifies as XYZ is able to do whatever they want to, yeah. right? And so I think getting to the heart, but also extending empathy that uh, the church has gotten some stuff wrong over the years. We've, we've, we haven't always been spot on in some of these conversations. And the fact that God would use a Christian rapper to be the voice of clarity and biblical <laughs> wisdom is just amazing. You know, talking about the resurrection of Jesus, uh, and you could talk about other brilliant apologists, um, Michael Icona, Sean McDowell, who did an, actually did an entire mm-hmm. show with us about yep. the resurrection of Jesus. Michael Icona's book is, I want to say, yay big. It's literally called The Resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. If Jesus, even Paul says, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, right. what are we doing? What are we doing? And the fact that we can even get to that point is scary. Now, we actually met in the land of Jesus, in the land of the Bible, in the land of Israel. So I want to take a quick tangent. I want to go back to deconstruction. Okay. In Israel, was there something that... Um, really hit home to you? Was there, was there a moment? Was there something being in, in the land of the Bible for the first time that a light bulb went off? The proximity of how far everything was gave me a different appreciation for Jesus's ministry, mm. that these places weren't close. <laughs> <laughs> We're driving from the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem, to the old city. That's a journey, man. Yep. In, in a car, it was a journey. Yeah. So I think I, I got a different appreciation for that. And then I would say the archaeology, mm. the archaeology repeatedly testifying to what we already know to be true, but to consistently show time and time again mm-hmm. that Jesus was a historical person, Pontius Pilate was a historical person. Mm-hmm. These were historical events that happened. So that, that to me was by far like, wow, this is amazing. So you and I both live in North County, San Diego. So without saying any names in particular, I, we have lots of well-known people that are in the Christian space in that area that I've had conversations with who are deconstructing or have deconstructed. And when I talk to them simply about biblical archaeology, you can see the wheels start to turn like, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe this isn't right. And I think a lot of it is emotional. Like, how could God do this? How could God do that? How could... 
And I, and I think when you start seeing that, I just had a conversation earlier this morning about archaeology, is that it's not a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. This All this happened, the mm-hmm. people, the places, mm-hmm. the, the, the names of these people, this happened. So really, it's no longer, it would have been a lot easier to deconstruct and reject the whole thing 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, no, I, 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 I hear you that it happened, but I'm just going to straight up reject the fact that Jesus is God and he has Lord over my life. So to me, it's almost like people, correct me if I'm wrong, it, this is going to sound harsh, but people have a political ideology that becomes almost a theology. Mm-hmm. And when that theology and the biblical worldview starts stretching, maybe 20 years ago, it wasn't stretched as far. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you touch on all the buzzwords. The, the farther those two things seem to separate, and again, I don't want to get flagged by YouTube, but saying you know a man's a man or whatever, mm-hmm. it almost seems like you, it's... You can't reconcile the mm-hmm. two. And so, so I see a lot of people that deconstruct have chosen their politics mm-hmm. as their ultimate God. Mm-hmm. Is that what you see? I think some have, not all. I think some have genuinely succumbed to the pressures of culture in the world. And if something doesn't make sense to them or they have an experience that is in contrast with what historical Christianity has taught, and then there's buzzwords and terminology used to dismiss people. So if everything goes back to patriarchy and everything goes back to the system and all these things, and the antidote, in my opinion, to these things is remove America, remove Western culture, Western Christianity, go to Armenia, go to these other places, go to the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. And what you'll discover is that regardless on where, if you're an American, you're a Protestant, if you're an Eastern Orthodox, if you're an Oriental Orthodox, that's that's the way I grew up, all of the major arms of the church hold on to the same tenets. Mm. So what we don't want to do is deconstruct historical Christianity because there are places that have nothing to do with the cultural issues here in America Mm. that still hold to the resurrection of Jesus, they still hold to a biblical sex ethic, they still hold to all of the tenets of the faith, and they would laugh you out of the room if you said, oh, you know, uh, a man could be a woman, and a woman could be... like These these are nonsensical things, but we, we think and conflate that uh, right-wing politics and yep. alt-right yep. I- ideology and Christianity are... No, 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 no. Remove everything we argue about in America and go anywhere else in the world where mm-hmm. Christianity has thrived or or even hasn't thrived, like Syria and Armenia and all these places where it's been under persecution. It, we all believe the same core essentials. We all believe Jesus is God. We all believe the scriptures is inerrant. We all believe in a biblical sex ethic. We all believe in a virgin birth. We all believe in the same core tenets of the faith. That's the issue, is that we're, we are conflating politics, we are being influenced by downstreams of ideology from Marxism to postmodernity, and these things are being crossed into our circles. But, but the issue is the church hasn't done a good job in responding and equipping these things. You know who has? Who? Yeah. Well, I'm doing my best, but I'm doing I'm, I'm doing my best because I'm I'm immersed enough to understand the areas we didn't properly articulate these mm. things. I'm immersed enough to understand that there are things we could have done better. We could have articulated. We could have engaged better. I want to ask you a, a theology question, but first, uh, when <laughs> when anyone meets Ruslan, one of the first thing that, that comes up is I am an Armenian, and I am super proud to be Armenian. <laughs> so here's a, here's a here's a um, a random factoid if you've never been to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's old city has four quarters, 
Three of them are very obvious. The Jewish quarter, the Christian quarter, the Muslim quarter, and the fourth quarter is... The Armenian quarter. Why are you so proud about being Armenian? You talk about the Armenian genocide. You talk about what's happening in Armenia today in relation to Azerbaijan. This is just... I just want to get your thoughts on that real fast. Well, Armenia is one of the most persecuted Christian nations. These are the Oriental Church in general. By Oriental, I mean Eastern Orthodox, right? So the Oriental Orthodox arm of the church has experienced immense persecution in predominantly Muslim states, right? So Armenia is one of them, Assyria, the Assyrian church is one of them. And the fact that they've been able to persevere that long is truly a testament for long suffering Mm. and being able to, and my lineage is that, the Armenian genocide of 1915, influencing what happened for why me and my parents came out as refugees and a lot of folks came out as refugees. And so Armenians are naturally resilient people, but they're a very Christian people. Even if they don't know Jesus personally as Savior, their ethics are very Christian. Mm. They, they're they going to stand up. They're going to fight back. And it, it happened recently in Glendale where there was a huge protest. And the Armenian population there rose up against some of these school districts and some of the stuff they want to push. Wow. And we're like, we're not having it. And it, wow. it got... Cause the Armenians are they're gonna stand up and so some some Antifa folks try to test them and wow. it got a little you know got a little violent wow yeah so Armenians don't don't mess around with that kind of don't, stuff don't play but, with Armenians yeah. well you, as you were saying Armenians Assyrians they hold to these doctrines so here's my here's I think an important question why is biblical doctrine why is theology important I actually heard again you can find people who make arguments that sound Legit, or it makes you makes you question, uh, which isn't always a bad thing. But here's here's basically how this guy said it. He said, "So you're telling me you're gonna go to hell for having wrong thoughts about God? Mm-hmm. That just because your understanding of Scripture is bad, he's like that seems harsh. So why to you is theology and biblical doctrine important? Well, what we believe is so intrinsic to." not just our identity, but it is also intrinsic to how we will behave and how we will carry ourselves. And so all of it is intertwined and overlapped. So to say thoughts, well, thoughts lead to your emotions and your emotions channel your actions and your actions can have incredible ramifications on other people. And if you're coming from an environment where ideas impact people, like when we were near the Gaza Strip, mm. right? Like like where, where I grew up, ideas can build amazing civilizations or they can destroy people and cause genocide. So it's not just thoughts. Your thoughts have a downstream effect. And so the idea of our, specifically our faith in Jesus is actually us saying we we aren't worthy, we aren't righteous, we aren't good. It's Jesus that declares us righteous. It's Jesus that dies and rises for our sins. It's Jesus that creates a pathway. And so that idea is, one, it takes me off of being the hero of the story. I'm not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. And then two, that extends a compassion and an empathy to other people to say, but for the grace of God. Right. And so if if everyone navigated the world that way, we would be in a much better place. If you replace Jesus and everything I just described and you put other worldviews, it starts to fall apart and get nasty really fast. And and look at the rest of the world that's that's in chaos. Look yeah. at what's going on in China right now. Look at North Korea, right? There's just some dark stuff happening. Why? It's the downstream effects of a anti godly worldview. 
You know, you remove God and authority from it, and then what? The government becomes the authority. Come on. The dictator becomes the authority. You could, you could just substitute that. And so there's clearly uh, uh, attempts to do that here in America, but I think there's people that are, that are standing up and pushing back. Man, I love hearing you talk, man. You call a spade a spade. I appreciate that, man. I really do. So let's kind of end with this. Let's say my friend here is watching, and they're deconstructing. They're, they have questions that aren't going answered. They're, they don't want to you know, hurt their parents, but they're like, I, I just can't do this anymore. Or you know, they're, they're, they're seeing science and the Bible. They're like, ah, I just, I'm out. Yeah. If my friend here is watching, and this is the only video they're going to see about this subject, mm -hmm. what would you tell them? I would tell them to approach the scriptures with a curiosity of what's actually being said in context. Who's writing? Why are they writing? Who are they writing to? And if you do that, you will notice this incredible, beautiful mosaic of the actual values you intrinsically believe to be true. You believe that people are created in the image of God and should be treated with dignity and respect, regardless of their background, regardless of the shortcomings they made, regardless of however they identify, there should still be a degree of dignity and value, respect extended to them. However, we also know that this, this God is this love of, I accept you right where you are, but I want so much more for you. And that is a way a father loves his kids. You, you love your kids as they are, my two-year-old is potty training right now, right? And she's running to the toilet <laughs> with a clearly spoiled shorts on. Clearly she's peed on herself, but she's running to the toilet and making an attempt. And she saved the last little bit of it to actually go <laughs> on the toilet. I love you right where you are, yeah. but we're going to work on this potty training Boy. thing. We got to make it to the toilet. I can help you with that. And I think God looks down on us in the same way and says, I love you right where you are but I want so much more from you. I want to develop you. I want to, I want to prune you. I want to chisel those areas away from you. Wow. In the same way a loving father loves his kids, whether they're two years old in potty training, whether they're eight, whether they're going to puberty and their hormones are raging, that is how God loves us. So I would say one, genuinely look at the scriptures with that curiosity in the context. And then two, I would say look at church history and look at everything that has happened because of Jesus. Look at the literacy rates. Look at the medical institutions that have been built. Look at the advances in science. And most of the folks who made our biggest advances in science were theists. Many of them were Christians. Look at the overall net positive that the world has been impacted by through Jesus. And then I would say the issues you struggle with, go travel. Go to some other places. Go, 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 go to Ethiopia. Go to, go to parts of Africa. Go see what they think about these things. Go places that have nothing to do with white supremacy or any of these things that get backdoored as uh, right-wing Christian. Go, and go actually and meet people or just try to meet people from other denominational backgrounds. I'm so privileged to have a lot of Ethiopian Orthodox wow. Christian friends or, or folks that are Protestant, but they grew up Ethiopian Orthodox. And man, those folks are more conservative than most Americans. They grew up extremely rooted on biblical ethics around everything from finances to sexuality. So it's not just America's bad. You know, those are ideas that are harmful. And I think a lot of people are navigating that. And the last thing I'd say is reevaluate your thoughts and what you think about the world. If you live through this 
little guy can't get ahead, the system's rigged, no, there's, no, uh, there's only so many pieces of the pie, and the patriarchy is causing you know, this and that. Like, if you live through that, that will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. That is how you will see the world and, and inevitably how you see yourself. And the sad part about that is that those beliefs don't even serve you well. They actually are harmful to you. They, they will actually put a lid on your life. And so there's so much freedom in walking with Jesus on every measurable metric. And you could also examine the data and who is experiencing the most wellness and who is experiencing the most turmoil. Hint, it's not Christians that have the highest degrees of depression. It's not Christians, practicing Christians, who have the highest degrees of divorce. It's not practicing Christians who have the highest degrees of suicide, ideation. It's actually the opposite. It's people who aren't sure about their identity. It's people who aren't sure about if the world's in a good place. And so that is how, it, on, a, on a holistic level. Wow. Man, <laughs> I, I just, uh, I can't recommend enough for you to find this man's YouTube channel, which is just Ruslan... Ruslan KD. On Ruslan KD. Literally, I mean, you release stuff, what, every... Every day every day, comes out, yeah. And he just unpacks some of the most controversial, uncomfortable questions, uh, and he does it with grace, and you do it with such clarity, man. So I just want to encourage you again. Thanks, brother. But, man, I... Uh, Thank you.